0: Hello, and welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, a show for people who want to take their personal training businesses and fitness coaching skills to the next level. Team Alloy has been in the personal training business since 1992 and share their insights from working with businesses and brands around the world. Listen in for secrets and tips on running a successful fitness business from personal training, marketing, staff management, scaling your business, and everything in between. If you are interested in having your own personal training business, our systems are well developed and we are focusing on very discrete segments which we think are the secrets to success. Now, let's get started with our host.
1: Good morning, everyone. I'm here with, uh, what are you, the POTUS of programming? Sure. Matt Helland, programmer What's for happening? millions of people worldwide. All worldwide. day, every day. Like Welcome. speech
2: prestige worldwide. For speed, worldwide.
1: <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Ready for number
2: 50? It's the 50th podcast. I know. I know. Three I can't cool. believe
1: that. You, you told me that before and I didn't believe it. I was like, it's not 50 times. Set. 50 you times you sat in this room. The big five zero. Well, I'm glad and I'm pumped about our topic today. It's cool to be able to share with the world and I enjoy sitting down with you, obviously, and having yeah. these conversations. Thanks for having me in. It's fun. Yeah, man. It's awesome. So happy 50, Matt. We should have. It's like nine o'clock in the morning we're recording this. Otherwise we'd crack open something other than this sparkling caffeinated ice water. I need a sponsorship uh, from these mofos, by the way. (laughs) I don't know who makes this. I need to find out which company this is, but I'm going to be looking for something. So if you're listening to this and you make this, (laughs) I need some sponsorship money. Probably on there. You just can't read it. Yeah. (laughs) it's not only the pod it's not only the 50th podcast it's my 50th year on this earth that has something to do with why i can't read the mice type on this freaking can all that being said you guys we're going to talk about today matt the two types of fitness business owners Mm -hmm. and the two types are the owner operator yep and the investor And we'll talk a little bit about the pros and cons of each. I think the thing I want everyone to take away from this today is that there's no right or wrong. There's advantages and and challenges to either, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think it's important for you then to decide what is it that you want to do. Like what's a day in the life of look like for you? And that's going to decide what type of, you know, fitness business owner that you want to be. All right. It's a cool business. The optics of it are fun. I think everyone agrees. Certainly, you know, as we look at it through the alloy franchise lens, it's a bit easier to sell a concept for something that's cool. I mean, sure, you can make a lot of money in junk removal or in you know, septic tank cleaning or whatever, but those aren't things that maybe at a cocktail party sound like that much fun. Mm-hmm. Right? And you could argue that, yeah, I'm helping people out because I'm removing their junk, but I mean, in fitness business, you really feel like you're making an impact in people's lives, and that's really powerful. So I think for either type of owner, owner-operator or investor, it's a cool business to be in. And so I think that's what draws people to it. There's also the financial side. You could make a lot of money in fitness. There's a mm-hmm. lot of attractive things about the way fitness is structured with the revenue model being reoccurring yep. as opposed to just point of sale. You know, you run a burger shop, got to keep selling burgers every single day. Mm-hmm. Right? For us, it's like you, know, you sign somebody up and they stay three years at a two hundred and you know seventy nine dollars a month. I mean the lifetime value of a customer here is really high. Right. So the optics of it outside in look really good. But I think it's really important to think who do you want to be as an owner? Right. What type of owner do you want to be? So let's start with the first one, which is the owner operator. And this is the one that early I mean, this was me early mm-hmm. on. Yeah. You know, I, I did not have a lot of capital you know, I borrowed some money from a client or we partnered up and it lasted maybe a year and then I bought them out. But, um, you know, it was just a passion that I had and I, it was something that I wanted to continue to do. I was paying my way through school. Yeah. So it was like, well, was a so, well good so, paying so, job.
2: So, so describe the owner operator a little bit more. I mean, what that's, that's the person that is in the business every day.
1: Yep. So this is your old adage of working in the business, not on the business. Yes. And you can do a little bit of both. Don't get me wrong. Like I think if you're an owner-operator, you have to spend a little time on the business as well. Sure. And if you're an investor, you have to spend a little time in the business as well. Mm-hmm. Right? A little bit of both. Um, a little bit.
2: Starting out for sure, the owner-operator is in the in the thick of it probably. A,
1: they are. They a are. And so, absolutely. And so, we'll talk about the pros and cons of each. So, the owner-operator is typically someone who's a technician first, you know, through the lens of like the e-myth, mm-hmm. right? Michael Gerber talks about the technician. And the technician is the person who's really good at what they do. And they're maybe tired of putting up with the BS of the club that they work for or the people they work with or whatever. And they simply want to take their business and move it. So from here to here, Mm -hmm. they want to be their own boss, but it's really because they want to do their technical mojo, cool stuff unencumbered. Yep. And that's usually the main driver, right? Is I want to get right to my end customers. I don't Mm -hmm. want anything else in the way, you know, and I want to be able to, to do what I do and just enjoy it every day. Now, so that the pros would be that obviously that you can be a lot more profitable in your business if you sit in some of those seats in the business. Yeah. So in the alloy franchise structure, there is a position, an interchangeable term, general manager slash director of training. And I like director of training, consumer facing, honestly, yeah. it just sounds mm-hmm. like you're going to meet a coach. Mm-hmm. That person is the one that's performance based paid and they draw a salary as well. It's the logical position for an owner operator to Mm. be in where you're basically first point of contact with all new clients, meaning you're doing the selling and you're the head coach for the whole gym, meaning you're holding people accountable and you're driving retention and you're in the gym all day, every day. And so you can really drive culture, right? Yep. So the advantages are if you run a really tight ship and a really good business, you can make a really good margin as an owner operator. Yes. Right and you have ultimate control. And another advantage I think that people forget about is the fact that you get from a selfish standpoint, you get to see the tangible results of the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. It would be like being a custom furniture craftsman. You know, it's like you, you go out there and you chisel something out, you know, and you stand there and you're like, I built that. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's some real satisfaction in that. Very similar when you're working in a gym and I've had it both ways. And so I can certainly understand both types of owners. When you are an owner operator, you get to stand right in front of the customers and see the results. You get to see the person that is in tears because they lost weight that they haven't been able to lose. You know, the person that's been able to accomplish, you know, a hike with their friends or something that they never could do before. So in a selfish way, it's very fulfilling to be the owner operator.
2: Well, especially on a fitness, you know, if you're buying a fitness franchise, you're probably really into working out and want to help people. So, I mean, that makes make sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And listen, I'll, I'll tell you this, as a franchise, we looked at both of these owners before we went into this, because mm-hmm. you have to decide who your core customer is going to be. And what we figured out pretty early on was that if the business model makes sense and you can make money in it, which you have to, to even, oh, you know, don't start a franchise if, right. that, if that model doesn't make money, then we would be able to serve both types. So if you're an owner operator and that's, and you want to work in that gym every day, good on you. And you're going to be able to sit in a seat. Now you're going to earn more money, but you're also going to have to work more, right? You're going to earn that money by being in one of those positions, you know, absorbing that expense, if you will, and then taking it personally, you know, also the investor type, you know, can you make money if you never want to be in your business? And the answer is yes. And for us as a franchise, it was like, well, if we can't appeal to both types of operators then we'll probably struggle to scale over time because if you're just selling to owner operators mm-hmm. you know you're going to struggle it's going to be one at a time right, right. and you're going to struggle to sell a territory or what have you mm-hmm. and so we I think to have a successful franchise you really need to be able to appeal to both and that's what, kind of what we're talking about today that's what led to this conversation is like well these are the two types of people. We already have both. I mean, we just got out of the gate. We already have both types yeah, of, yep. both types of franchisees. And I think there's going to be advantages and disadvantages to both. So.
2: Well, I mean, it's just from a owner operator standpoint, you know, building your own brick and mortar and doing all that. A definite pro is doing it with a franchise, especially, you know, ally personal training franchise where we give you all the business systems. So it really is less times in the weeds and more times doing that personal touch and doing what you're saying, you know getting the results with your clients and stuff, if that's really what you're into.
1: Yeah. hundred um, percent. And and great point because typically the technician lacks the business skills That's mm-hmm. what we've seen. And so if you could take on a partner, which at the end of the day, a franchise is a true partnership. If you could take on a partner that could shortcut and give you all the business systems that have already been worked out, mm-hmm. that's a massive shortcut for you right. and well worth it. You know, well worth the time to say, like, oh, I don't have to learn marketing and, you know, all of these things at that deeper level, there's going to be a massive
2: shortcut built for me. Great. I'll buy that shortcut, yeah. right? Well that's what most fitness professionals probably screw up, right? They're like everybody, I want to, you know, I like working out with clients. So I want to, you know, hard my own business. But once they get in there, they don't really they don't understand all those other parts. So. Right.
1: You know, and we've done so much coaching with both really good scalable, you know, companies mm-hmm. at a real high level, as well as in the weeds with studios that have one to two employees. Yep. Right. And they're, and you're right, typically, and this isn't always true, but typically those one to two owner studios mm-hmm. don't have a great grasp on their numbers and they avoid them in some cases. Right. Cause it's like, well, I'm not really good at this. So I'm just going to put my head in the sand and pay my bills. So I'm good to right. go. Well, that's where, you know, having a partner that forces you to look at KPIs and numbers and, mm-hmm. you know, what's your build out cost per square foot? What's your revenue per square foot? When should you scale? Should you hire someone or not? You know, you shouldn't hide behind the busyness of your everyday role in the business right. and not, but you need a partner for that.
2: Well, I let them be who they really are. If they're really good, you know, coach or whatever, let them shine, take all that other stress away from them. that's kind of where we're here and we're going to help guide you away and then help you grow. Um, and so win-win. Yep.
1: So what other positives do you think Matt there would be for an individual business owner? For an like individual operator. Yep.
2: Well, I was like you kind of mentioned already you get more you make more money out of the gate out of your business, right? Cuz you're not paying a manager, which we'll talk about, you know, as an investor. Yep. I mean you you're really in some
1: ways and this is something you need to be cognizant of, is you're buying a job right. in a lot of ways. So you better love that freaking job. And if you do, it's amazing because you're now working for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? And you've got a strong system in our case, powering you, supporting you, giving you a platform to stand on, to work your magic. But the fact is you've got that job. So it better be a job that you like, but you're right because of that. As we mentioned before, you can make more money and you can make a quicker return on your investment because you're not paying other people to do that. Right. What about cons for
2: individual owners? Well, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, you're kind of stuck in the trenches, so it kind of takes you away. You're not really to look at growing your business, you might be more too in in the everydays, which can be a con if you don't get out. (laughs) Right. Well, it's true. And I think,
1: you know, Michael Gerber, again, to go back to the e-myth. Now, mind you, in the e-myth, if you haven't read it, you guys, I highly recommend it for every entrepreneur Mm -hmm. the e-myth revisited. The book is sort of based on a story of a lady with a custom pie shop, but it uses a lot of references to McDonald's. And I think if you look at McDonald's as an example, what is it, largest franchise in the world? And there's some beauty in the fact that you can get a very similar hamburger in Shanghai, China, as you can in Atlanta, Georgia on the same day, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a different sauce or something, but for the most part, but it's not very people driven. If you look at it, right? You put the burger in, you hit the button. I mean, that's not a real people intensive business. Whereas what we do is yes. very people intensive, right? But you still need a systematic approach. And one thing that Michael Gerber says that I always laugh about, about technicians moving into their own business with no systems Is like, you know, if you don't have a systematic approach to what you're doing and like no systems, you basically, you have, you've bought yourself a job and it's the worst job in the world because you're working now for an absolute maniac, which is you, (laughs) right? right? Which I think is a hilarious (laughs) way to put it. And I've seen that, right? So some people are maybe not that good in that setting. And so you'd have to have some systems in place, even if you're the mom and pop owner Mm -hmm. operator. And I think if you pick the right seat in the business and you're willing to scale and understand that you have to have, you know, employees and you have to spend a little marketing money to make money, you can scale to the point where you can be active in your business without being completely buried in your business, Mm -hmm. right? Where you don't have to sit in the seat of director of training and personal trainer and front desk, right? I mean, you really need, or admin, you really need to understand the systematic way to scale. And even if you choose then, you don't have to, but if you choose to be in the business every day, it feels much better than if you have to, right. because you know these common things, oh, I can't find good employees. It's like, oh, that's not true. Right? They're <laughs> out there, right? And so you do run the risk if you're sitting in too many seats and you're there 60, 70 hours a week, right. you're going to burn out. And so you still need a little bit of systematic approach on the back end. But the cons would be that, that you're so much in the weeds and so much time mm-hmm. in the business that you never have a chance to step back and look at the overall big picture.
2: Yeah. You're and here's what there. I'll
1: tell you. If you, have it, like, if you bought an Alloy franchise, and I know we're self-promoting, but it is my podcast after all. So, <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, if you bought that and you had some systems, what we often find is the owner-operator, they buy it. They sit in a seat. They dig in really hard. Right, And then they learn like, oh, well, this is cool. Like a lot of these things that I would have had to create it or come up with on my own are being handled by my partner, which is the master franchise. So it's like, oh, well, that light bulb comes on and then that owner operator then decides like, well, I think I could open another one of these. Mm-hmm. All I would have to do is hire a director of training. And that's a well defined position in this system. Right. So that I could move to another location. Right. And I could leverage some of my revenue here and I could go and borrow some money, get another SBA loan and open another location. Mm-hmm. Well, and if I had three or four, you know, now that I've sat in the seat of one of these roles, all I have to do is coach those people in that role. And then they coach the coaches. Right. And so we've found that a lot of small owner operators that understand how to scale that light bulb comes on and they start to realize, wow, maybe I could be a multi-club operator. Right. So sometimes you make that transition. Now, again, you can, doesn't mean that you have to. So in a lot of cases, people will say, well, I don't want to do that. Like I selfishly love owning the best gym in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, we're busy, we're making great money, you know, making, you know, six figure, you know, money out of this small studio high six figures in some cases, if you're killing it, then, you know, this is all I want to do. I want to go in. I want to see my people every day. It's so fulfilling. I love right. it. Can't imagine doing anything but visiting with my community every day. That's a healthy owner and a really yeah. good place to be, but that should be by choice, not by yeah.
2: circumstance. Yeah. You don't know, work yourself into that, <laughs> but I mean, a, a definite pro, which you were basically saying is, um, a good owner operator like that knows all the functions of the business and has just learned. So the the business will run very smoothly because they know everything that's going on. Right. Yes. So that's definite pro.
1: Yep. For sure. I mean, think about it. It's hard to beat. Like we've got a guy down the street from us. Who's a pretty good operator and I did some consulting with him. So when he opened like a mile away, I was kind of salty about it. I thought about (laughs) it. I'm like, well, that's cool. You know, he had gotten into a tight situation with a bigger organization that he'd gotten and he had to do something. So he opened up his own place right down the street he and his wife are like in there all the time. They're hard to beat. They're a good place because it's like, who better than a whole family involved in a business that that's it. There's no, you know, you've burned the ships. There's no falling back on your wife's job or the husband's job. Or I mean, this is it. We have to make this work Mm -hmm. and they're hard to beat. The owner operators are tough to beat. So.
2: so. Oh, and they're opening up. I think they opened up a second location.
1: I think so. Yeah. They were thinking about it, but I think it was like right around this COVID time, but. Damn COVID. (laughs)
2: screwing everybody up. I know.
1: But I mean, those models are attractive for that. It's just that you have to be resigned to work. You're going to be a fitness person. Mm -hmm. Basically, you're going to work in there all the time. So again, pluses of the independent operator, more revenue if you're willing to sit in one of those seats and you get your hands on the business every day. The cons might be burnout. And the fact that, you know, you're basically bought yourself a job. So you better enjoy it and you better enjoy the people that are mm-hmm. around it. You better be able to get out of your own way and follow some systems, right? Yep, or you yep. won't even be able to take a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Ever.
2: <laughs> All right, cool. What about um, the investor or uh, you can call him absentee owner?
1: Yeah. So the advantage of the investor, I mean, they're going to spend a little more capital, right? Because mm-hmm. they're going to have to have a manager in that seat from the start. But the great thing is, if you're buying, certainly if you're buying into a franchise or you're buying into a systematic approach, it's an investment. So this is truly, you know, the absentee owner is an investor. So if you look at, well, stock market's been going crazy, right? Um, or it's actually been surprisingly holding up well, you know, based on the fact that the whole world's on fire <laughs> That stock market's like, oh, huh, that's weird. I heard it was like a mood ring for like rich people, right? <laughs> Which makes sense. I mean, hell, I'm in the market too, so I shouldn't even say that. But you know, you know what I mean, right? right. So, but... Everyone, if they have enough financial wherewithal, is looking for a good investment. And if you look at something like fitness, there's a lot of money, a lot of private equity money because it's a great investment Mm -hmm. opportunity. So investors are typically going to look at this and they're going to want a probably a bigger return on investment. And the way to get a bigger return on investment is to buy into a concept where you can do, you know, three, five, ten locations, maybe more.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then your real entrepreneur spirit goes into building the management team and the execution of the systems that you're buying. But you're not necessarily out there recreating the wheel. You're just grabbing someone else's concept, you know, partnering with them Mm -hmm. in a franchise, paying them a little bit. And then you're going to just, you know, hire people and hold their feet to the fire. And then again, the real magic is going to come in how you manage expectations and getting people to run the play well. So I would say the big advantage is that you can do multiple locations because if you are this person, who is investing, you're either investing it as a family member or like a friend and maybe they're the owner operator and you're you're gonna get a return on your investment over time. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a true investor, you're like, hey, I wanna buy like a, you know, the investor we've had, Richard, like I wanna buy the Charlotte market as an example, right? It's like, all right, well, I'm gonna do six locations in Charlotte. If I can get my revenues to blank, right, based on our performa, then I know if I've got good local management structure in place, I'm gonna get a higher multiple on my investment. Than I would if I was invested in Matt's gym or Rick's gym. Mm-hmm. Yep, you know, and so that's the advantage, certainly, of a multi club operator is there's a bigger investment opportunity, or I'm sorry, return on investment opportunity at the on the yeah. back end. Right?
2: It's more of an end game kind of plan, right?
1: It's more of an end game, and there's typically a time frame around that, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the owner-operator might say, "I'm so happy, I want to do this forever," right? Which might be unrealistic, but maybe not. It, mm-hmm. It's just like you bought a job, you love that job, you're making great money, and you get to see the fruits of your labor every day. Check investor, I look at an opportunity. You know, I run the high level demographic, I put it where it's supposed to go, I find the right operating partners in my business. Maybe I give them some skin in the game, right? And we're gonna make a run at this thing for five to seven years, and then we're gonna sell. And what is our opportunity to make money? You know, how right. can we sell this thing? Because any investment type of entrepreneur is looking for return on that investment, and right. it's normally gonna be in the way of of selling. Right. And we've seen it where really strong franchises might be in an area and they might have purchased say North Texas as an example, right? Or maybe North Dallas or Dallas and Houston. And they have say 13 franchises built out and the unit economics of each franchise is doing really well. right? And they also have maybe four or five more territories that they're developing. Typically, if you guys don't know this, if you buy into a franchise and you buy a multi-development territory, you have a timeframe to develop those. And so if you have a, you know, an investor that starts at the ground level, they find some operating partners, or they just build a good management structure, they prove it out. They've got 12, 13 units making good, you know, revenue and net profit. And then they have the ability to develop more territories. That particular franchisee, and as we've seen, will get a really high multiple on their Mm -hmm. profits when they sell sometimes a 10 X, you know, and just to give you guys an idea, A mom and pop gem would be lucky to get three times multiple.
2: And it's way harder to sell.
1: (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. It's like, who wants to buy someone's mad science project, right? No one. And so any buyer that comes in, unless they also want to buy a job, which Mm -hmm. is not usual, and if it is, it's not going to be a high dollar person that wants to do that, right? Then you're not going to be appealing. So You know, a lot of the independent gyms we work with, like it's an end all be all. There's a lot of ways to exit a business. You can just sock money away until you just get old and you don't want to do it anymore. And then you just sell it or, you know, sell it to employees for, you know, not that much money or whatever. But if you're really uh, the true investor types who want to make an investment in something that's growing, that's popular, that can get them that five to seven multiple in Mm -hmm. five to seven years, ideally. And so the big advantage there is that you can scale if you're in the investor type and you're going to get a much higher multiple on the back end, right? So it's going to allow you to do multi units if you're not working in the business every yep. day.
2: Just high level, get to manage it, looking more at numbers. Yep, exactly. I would say the kind of talked earlier is the cons was really you have to be a really good, have a high business acumen to be this kind of person.
1: Yeah, that's the biggest challenge, and you touched on that earlier with a like the challenge for the uh, technician mm-hmm. that ends up being the owner operator is it's typically if you're really good at training and coaching and motivating clients, you might not have spent a lot of time in your life working on your overall business acumen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the con I think is more of a con for us, which is to find those people, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like we bring in a guy like our partner in Charlotte, you know, the guy's got great real estate experience already. He's really smart at scaling a business, you know, as For those of you guys that don't know, and you should be doing this in an individual model in a franchise, we provide a performa and we're not allowed necessarily to fill it out for people per franchise law. You can't even hint that someone might be successful, which is crazy, but um, (laughs) I'm kind of poking fun at the, at the top down heavy structure of franchising, but we give it to a guy like our investor in Charlotte, he backs his way into the exact business model in two seconds in the performance right? It's got very high business acumen. Yep. So it's very easy to discuss concepts. I would say that currently based on how that we're structured and how attractive the financial proposition looks, mm-hmm. it's easy for us to sell to investors because they go, Oh, okay. I mean, they, here's the return on my investment. If I did five of these, here's where I'm going to be. Here's what I can expect to sell for as a multiple. Okay, good. I'm off and running. Right. Whereas the individual fitness pro, as an example, they have to buy into what you do and how you do it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it boils down to like, you know, funny in the weeds, things like, how do you do your kettlebell swings? (laughs) Completely different conversation. Right. Right. So, um, you're right. It's a con in the sense that, you know, it can be Tougher to find those people, but I think for us at least so far, that's not even been a con because that type of individual is more attracted to something that looks really good from a business number standpoint, as we do. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the only challenge, we should say probably challenge instead of cons, because like there's ups and downs. There's an inherent risk in opening a business and being an entrepreneur. It's an investment. It's a gamble. You know, it's an educated you know investment and gamble, but it's still a gamble. At the end of the day, you got to make it work, right? Sure i would say the biggest challenge is the fact that you are detached from the business somewhat and Mm -hmm. and you are going to need some entrepreneurial and leadership skills to build a team so say you have five locations in those five locations you have a regional like an overall regional manager and then each club has a director of training right that is coached by the regional manager you're going to need to really lean into books like traction and these books on how to communicate who has what job responsibilities, things like that. I've got buddies in the industry that do that and they're amazing and they don't sweat so much like the workouts or right
2: (laughs) or all those things. I mean,
1: they put a lot of juice into customer experience and they put a lot of juice into building their team and building a strong team. And I can tell you when you get to the boardroom table to sell, that's going to be really important. You know, we've got a friend that does mergers and acquisitions in fitness. And he said, I can't tell you how many times that, you know, $30 million, $50 million deals have fallen through because there's not a strong management structure in place. And it's like, nobody wants to come in and buy your mess or buy your problems. Sure. They want to come in and buy something that the day the transition happens, the very next day it's business as usual. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that's necessarily a con as much as it is just a, the profile of the different owner. And again, you guys will probably leave you with that, right? I mean, that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. you can either be an investor type in fitness and the, the numbers make sense, which is why there's so much money looking at fitness, or you can be an owner operator. And I don't think either one is wrong. I think <laughs> that's why we set it up for both. Cause we know that we've got a pretty decent profile in the industry. We're going to get some owner operators that are going to find a client who's willing to back them. And they're going to open the gym and they're going to be really good because yep. we're going to give them all the business help they need. We also have a lot of folks in the private equity. Sector that we know that have invested in other concepts who are going to come in and they're going to want to scale and do five to seven locations. Well, it works for that as well. So there's pluses and minuses to both. I think the most important thing for listeners today is to decide who are you going to be right before you go into it. Because if you if you don't have a lot of capital and you're struggling to get the first one open and you expect to never set foot in there ever, right? You're probably a little bit blind <laughs> to that reality because you're going to need some staying power, right? Yep. And you're going to need staff up a bit more than you would if you were in there. Um, And if you're the investor type, I think you also need to learn a little bit about what you're selling. You have to understand that fitness, you know, that coaches are, you know, intrinsically motivated and that the things that maybe you do in your high level financial world don't always cross over to heart first individuals that are coaching people out on the floor. So there's a little bit of learning on both. But um, again that's why you would buy into a franchise. I think this whole thing's turned into franchise sales, but that's why we started a franchise, right? Yeah,
2: damn right. Yeah. Well, exactly, <laughs> but that's why we
1: started it so that we could appeal to both and we could we have worked so in so many organizations with big gym, you know, organizations that have private equity. We understand what those people need and what they All want. Right. And we've worked with so many, again, individual studios that have owner operators. We know what the pain spots are for that person. And we really wanted to build something that could accommodate both. And I think we've done a good job. So the challenge is for you guys that are listening, who are you going to be and understanding the realities of what the challenges are and the upsides of that structure of ownership? Cool. That's the way we see it. And I mean, that's in the mom and pops all the way through to the, you know, anytime fitness world and, and the big, big, you know, monster organizations like that. So yeah, check us out alloyfranchise.com If you have any questions about this, on what type of owner that you want to be or who you are, you can hit us up. We're all over social media. Yeah, man. You know, let us know. But um, happy fiftieth, Matt. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> happy fiftieth. All man. right. See ya. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast. If you have any questions for the host or are interested in learning more about running a successful personal training business of your own, please reach out and say hello. Connect with us at www.alloypersonaltraining.com and sign up for our free newsletter to receive additional resources.